Just Go Bike listeners, this is Kyle Munson, and I have on the phone a man named Steve Fuller, and he's speaking to me from a Ford expedition that is rolling its way across Maryland right now. And he is part of a 10-person crew that is helping to support a woman named Sarah Cooper, who has spent the better part of this month bicycling across the entire United States in the race across America. Uh, A grueling, incredible feat, something she's been training for for years, something uh, that she's she's competing against dozens of other people uh, who are also doing this. Uh, Steve, hey, welcome to the podcast. Uh, thanks, Kyle. So why are you out there uh, helping Sarah to bike across the country? Uh, well, I'm, I'm out here to, to support my friend who has uh, trained with me and supported me in my endeavors over the last few years. Uh, and I, and I worked with her, uh, and crewed for her on her raw crew last year, and as well as helped crew for her at, uh, the Sebring 24 hours, uh, this past February. Yeah. You guys are kind of cut from the same cloth, right? You're quite a bicyclist yourself. What do you consider to be your biggest bicycling moment? Um, my, uh, probably my biggest moment. Um, I completed, uh, the tour divide in, uh, 2015. Mm-hmm. Wow. So as you watch Sarah, you know somewhat of what she's going through, but can you imagine yourself in her position right now? Um, I'll, I'll be honest. Uh, having, having gone through what I've gone through, I would say the, the biggest difference in my mind to start with is the extremely tight uh, time period at which the racers have to complete the course, uh, as well as just the, the ever-changing weather conditions they have to to deal with and the roads that they have to ride on. Yeah. Now you guys have been keeping up an entertaining blog and journal along the way, social media posts. I mean, I was just, I was struck by the fact that you you guys are following her. So she always has support. And I think you're in communication most of the time by headset, but uh, I mean, she has fallen off the bike, what something like nine times because she's fallen asleep. Uh, just talk about some of those moments and just what that what do you guys actually do? It's been interesting watching somebody who you've ridden with for a very long time and has normally not shown a lot of weakness uh, be put through a, a lot of trials and tribulations. Um, I would definitely say that probably the biggest thing for me that has been eye-opening is what uh, lack of sleep does to a person. Uh, when they've been pushing themselves to a limit for, you know, 25 to you know 36 hours at a stretch, um, Sarah's been getting by on basically two 20-minute cat naps and maybe uh, a 90 or uh, you know 180-minute sleep break um, once a day, um, hmm. kind of depending on how she's feeling and and you know, what circumstances dictate. So take me there to the instant where like you're behind her, I assume riding behind her. And then uh, all of a sudden she falls off the bike. Just describe a moment for me. Um, I mean, it's as, as the race is worn on, you really get to know your rider and their mannerisms. And so I can tell, like everybody in the van can tell by talking to Sarah and what she says and how she acts when she's getting tired. 
And when she's probably just about to the point where if we push her anymore, um, she's gonna, she's gonna fall over or fall asleep. Um, again, you know, she, she has fallen off the bike due to being tired during the race. Um, a lot of those were, were early on as the, the crew and the racer kind of get into their groove. Um, a lot of us have, have crewed for Sarah. Some of us haven't crewed for her before. So yeah, it's, it's been an interesting evolution of, of Sarah's race diet from day one to, uh, to, to day 10. Wow. 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 Yeah. The popsicles, that's, uh, so you guys have like this coolers loaded into the, into the trail vehicles, I guess. Yeah, we have a, we have one support vehicle that we, we lovingly call the mommy van <laughs> and that has, that has a cooler, uh, with a lot of ice covered in rock salt, and it is is basically a, a popsicle delivery machine for her. <laughs> so, and then, and it, so she requests a popsicle. We get a hand up of two or three of those from the follow or the mommy van, and then those go in the follow vehicle. Uh, we we put them in a plastic bag. We cut the corner off, and we hand them to her on the roll, and she eats them. <laughs> So what are some other funny memories or, uh, you know, from along the road, just, uh, are there, there are a couple of scenes that come to mind. Maybe it's, you know, when she stopped and you guys are talking or some other moment on the road that it just has just been funny. Um, there, there's been a couple, it, it's interesting that the night crew up until a couple of days ago has been getting most of, most of the funny moments, mainly because they've gotten, they started getting Sarah when the, the sleep deprivation was really catching up to her. Um, there was a, there was one photo that sticks out in my mind. We were in, uh, far east, um, or yeah, excuse me. Yeah. Far east Colorado, far west Kansas. And it was just after uh crew shift change. And we, and we drove about probably 25, 30 miles ahead. And all of a sudden there's a huge dust storm going on and big crosswinds probably, you know, we went from like no wind to probably 35, 40 mile an hour winds blowing, mm. uh, dust and stuff around. And not too long after that, there was a photo of Sarah with a dust mask, um, a, a big dark pair of sunglasses and a, and a feather boa wrapped around her neck and tucked into her Jersey because <laughs> that's what she asked for. And, and, one of the crew members has a few costumes with her and, you know, put something on her to make her happy and, um, and keep her moving down the road. Um, I, I'm it, impressed it, that the preparation included a, fe- a feather boa. I, I am truly surprised. <laughs> we have, we have a number of people with a number of unique talents on the, uh, on the support crew and everybody plays a crucial role. <laughs> So was has there ever been a moment on this journey when you thought oh, we just might not make it? I mean, this that you know, uh, mechanical failure, uh, her morale, whatever it might be. Was there a low point uh, along the road? Um, you know, everybody, including Sarah, is um, absolutely positive that she is going to make it to Annapolis uh, within the time limit. Um, I would say there's never, there's never been any doubt in anybody's mind that she's going to finish. Um, my, my biggest concern so far has honestly been things that are outside our control. Um, 
there are places on the route that we've hit at inopportune times where um, you have high levels of traffic. Uh, the roads are narrow. There's not a lot of or any shoulder or any pull off areas, and it it makes for a, it makes for a highly dangerous situation for not only the the rider but also the crew. Um, mm -hmm. We aren't allowed to to impede local traffic. Um, if we get more than two cars behind us, we're required to basically pull over, uh, let the local traffic through, um, and let our rider just ride by themselves. Um, that's extremely difficult to do on a narrow county road when it's full of semis and logging trucks. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, people who follow the race across America, um, or Iowans, of course, remember Bob Breedlove, who died on this race. I mean, this is a dangerous race in many ways, and you know, elite cyclists have um, had had incidents. So I, you know, you have it's. It would be natural, I guess, that you would uh, be afraid for you know your friend, uh, especially in those moments when you're when you have to kind of pull over and let her go. Yeah, there's uh, there's a significant portion of the route that is on what's basically a four lane divided highway and we're, and we're riding on the shoulders. Um, even, and even stretches that you would think aren't dangerous. Um, we, we cut to an absolutely beautiful section of the course, uh, that goes out through Monument Valley in Utah. And that may actually be one of the most dangerous sections traffic wise on the entire course. Hmm. Um, because of the type of traffic, uh, the level of traffic and the number of cars, uh, people going out to Monument Valley and the fact that that road is a main paved road connecting a lot of towns along that route going through the Indian reservation. Mm. Uh, so those, those things all add up to, to making it, I would, I would say in my mind, less than an optimal cycling route, but it is the route that the, the organizers have chosen and have ran over the years. So we kind of have to, take the hand we're dealt and deal with it yeah now of course this is not a touring bicycle ride where you, you have people in lawn chairs uh waving as you go by but occasionally she has had friends and even her what, husband and, and children come out and greet her along the way so she has had occasional cheering sections i guess right um yeah um the i would say the uh the <laughs> The number of people and the amount of cheering has increased um, the further the further east on the route that we've gotten. Um, the the first local person uh, to meet us on the route that I can recall met us literally on a road in the middle of nowhere in in Colorado, uh, dressed up in a Burger King costume uh, <laughs> in a gate in front of a, a gate in front of a farm field. Uh, we're, we're, but now, um, we're getting to the point where there are, um, groups of local girls that are coming out with signs for Sarah at the various checkpoints. Um, there's people, just random people coming out that have been, been, you know, basically not stalking her, um, and are, are coming out from bars and sitting out on their porches and waving and saying hi and, and taking photos. So the, the, the outpouring of support has been, uh, 
has been noted and has uh, has been greatly appreciated by Sarah. Wow. Yeah. I mean, just just finishing this obviously is an accomplishment, and uh, you know, because of all of her bicycling, her racing to date, and you know, it's not as if she's uh, you know a twenty-something Olympic athlete. She's a uh, you know what what seems like a real person out there living in the world, raising a family, doing this, and maybe that tends to inspire people in a slightly different way. You know, she could win the what I guess the among the women com- female competitors on this ride, and she could place very, very well just in general. Uh, how do you see her, I guess, uh, you know, just what she might inspire depending on how she finishes? Um, I mean, I think the, the probably the biggest takeaway is that um, you can be um, a top-level athlete and still be kind and humble and supporting to other people. Um, there hasn't been a time, no matter how tired Sarah has been or what the, the weather conditions are or how bad she's feeling on the bike, when I've handed her something and, you know, she hasn't said thank you to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that to me, that speaks tons to her character um as you know even early on in the race she has been talking to us over a wireless radio and she's she should be concentrating on the race and she's worried about making sure that everybody's getting enough sleep on the crew and that you know the crew is getting enough to eat and the crew is getting enough to drink and we have to keep reminding her you know we are we are all adults and you brought us on the crew for a reason you know we've got everything in hand just you know let go and ride your damn bike <laughs> well i know that even if i was on the crew and i saw somebody standing along the roadside in rural colorado at midnight uh, in a burger king costume i might think that i was hallucinating from sleep deprivation so um <laughs> now we you know the podcast listeners will remember that we interviewed Sarah before she embarked on this adventure, uh, even before another race that she did in Iowa. So you can go back and listen to that ap- that episode. And in that interview, she mentioned that she likes to mouth or sing along to metal lyrics as she's out there biking. Has that been happening? Um, so there's there's been a lot of singing going along going on during the trip, and uh, a lot of it has been to definitely been to songs in, in Sarah's uh, favorite race music genre, which happens to be, uh, you know, heavier metal, like, um, and music like, you know, Slipknot and Five Finger Death Punch and, and things like that. Um, we've been mixing it up for her as her uh, humor and the situations permit. Um, for, for instance, um, we... We stopped for a 20-minute nap this morning, uh, and just as we left, uh, we left in a basically a downpour um, someplace in in the middle of Ohio. We're on this beautiful road. She's climbing up the hill, and she wants music. Uh, so we basically uh, we pulled up Spotify and uh, and queued up singing in the rain, <laughs> and and so it was just echoing through the trees as she was climbing up the hill and her head's bopping along and I can hear her singing in the, in the, in the microphone. So 
she's she's been exposed to a few different musical genres other than her favorite one during the trip. Oh, that's wonderful. Well, she's not going to hear this before she finishes, so you can tell me the secrets. What will await her at the finish line? What have you guys orchestrated uh, when you know we? Assuming she finishes, and I'm sure she will. So, what happens when she reaches that Annapolis end of this whole odyssey? You know, it's the finish line is really interesting. Um, we pull up to a certain point, uh, and whatever time she's at, they they add a fixed amount of time to whatever time that is, and that's her her final finish time. Um, we pull over in a, a parking lot at a at a gas station. Um, they give her whatever time she needs to like change into a clean kit, um, you know, get a bike cleaned up and ready. And then it's basically uh, a procession uh, to the finish line. She still has to ride, but um, it's basically ceremonial at that point. Um, there'll be, you know, I'm assuming there'll be uh, f- photographs and, and things like that. Um, but we haven't really talked, uh, as a team about what we're, what else we might do at the finish line. Okay. Uh, the only discussion has been, um, Hey, let's go out for dinner someplace really nice before we all, uh, take off and go our separate ways. Yeah. So, so Sarah, should we bike back now? <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I tell you what, Kyle, you can be the person that asked her about that. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to even suggest it at this point. That's okay. Understood. Well, hey, Steve, thank you for checking in from the road. I so appreciate it. And, uh, not not a problem, Kyle. Yeah. Good luck out there. And, um, thanks. Good go, uh, just go bike listeners. And, uh, we will check in with you later, Steve. All right. Thanks. Thanks again for listening. Let us know what you think of the show by leaving a rating and a review. They really help us out a lot and help others find the show. For more information, check out justgobike.net. The show's theme song was written, produced, and performed by Ryan Steer. Brian Powers is the show's producer, and the Just Go Bike podcast is brought to you by the Des Moines Register, a part of the USA Today Network.